All right, you are now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the true players podcast, episode 146, and the NBA has shut down once again. We're going to break down exactly what's going on inside the bubble between the players and the owners, and you know we're going to talk about those last two games with the legend Luka and the comeback, the bounce back of the Clippers and Paul George. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. Excuse me, I didn't mean to interrupt like Mount Vesuvius. I'm about due to erupt. Use it or I'm losing it. They say I need to loosen up. Tight, I'm well taught. I must do the max like us. I do have something to say, so you got to give it up. Give it up. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It is the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 146. I'm trying to muster up the energy to do this show, Drew. A lot's been going on in the NBA. My energy just really isn't there today. Not to mention we're doing another Zoom interview. We'll be in the studio on Saturday or another Zoom podcast, excuse me. But, man, lots been going on this week. I, it's, been yeah. like, it's been like a roller coaster for me, and we'll talk about, like, the Clippers-Mavs series after we speak about this but everything that's happened the past three days um with Jacob Blake and the NBA taking a stance on NBA players taking a stance on why exactly they are playing in Orlando and it kind of started with Chris Paul after the OKC victory um that we posted on our page too where Chris didn't even want to talk about his amazing game that we said he was going to have to have in order for them to win but taking a stance and saying I don't want to talk about the game we're here. Let me talk about Jacob Blake and how important it is for voting. What I've seen the past couple of days, especially with the boycott um, of yesterday's games, the boycott of today's games, and even the referees coming together and doing their own march this morning. And um, Mark Davis gave a great speech on to why they chose to march. And then seeing the ripple effect going into Major League Baseball as well. Um, what are your thoughts on, on what's been going on? Well, you know, I think the the biggest thing about this moment is we've we both agreed before this all was set in place, this bubble in Orlando, that the players should utilize this platform and, you know, continue to strive for equality and, and continue to keep these thoughts and these messages top of mind. And you know what? I think the thing that happened we, we just get caught up in the games. You know what I mean? Like I, I realized that, you know, black lives matter is on the court and they're all wearing the shirts. And, you know, a lot of the times, you know, players were talking about Breonna Taylor or other you know victims that we've had in, in, in recency and in the past and their own experiences. And all that was really great. But I do think that we kind of got swept up in just, you know, Oh my God, sports are back basketballs. But I know I did. I know I did. I, I was, I was just so thrilled to see players on the court, and top-level basketball, NBA basketball that we're used to, that we were deprived of for these last couple months. But I, I will say that I'm still very shocked and taken aback, and maybe that's naive of me, but not only Jacob Blake, who you just mentioned, but like there's been several other murders happening this whole time, uh, you know, specifically of black people, and it's just really disappointing, man. And so, I, you know, I think this was – as far as the boycotts go, um, I, I, I want to commend everybody that organized them. And I want to commend the NBA for not trying to challenge, like the organization and Adam Silver for not trying to, you know, challenge anybody on this and, and not trying to say, well, no, we need to, we need to get out there and play. I mean, the good news of this all is that it's been reported that the games are going to resume. The playoffs will continue, which is I, I'm very, very happy about. But I do think that the players did use this platform like we were hoping when we, when we said in the beginning, you know, that this is something that they can utilize. I, I think this was a perfect example of that. Now, we also heard uh, from what I heard today, Chris Paul, obviously, and LeBron James, two of the biggest NBA players that we have and the biggest personalities and the biggest names, the biggest stars, um, were on a phone call with the owners and they have together, as a part of why they agreed to resume these games, have come up with a, some sort of plan. I don't know all of the points of the plan. I know that there's obviously going to be something in there about police brutality. And um, also very much LeBron is, is heavy into the voter 
uh, getting out and voting right now and, and motivating people to go and vote. Um, but that call was, was deemed to be a success because they, they have laid out a plan for something that they can do outside of the game of basketball and outside of just, you know, making the message known with the names on the backs of the shirts and the t-shirts and things like that. Um, I also know that Chris Paul registered every single Oklahoma city player to vote, especially the ones that may not have been registered or registered in different States and might not have been able to vote with where they're currently at. Um, so I, I do, I think, I think this boycott was well-deserved. Um, I think basketball is a privilege and I'm, I'm excited that we're going to see more games, but I, I don't want to take, I don't want to take our foot off the gas here on this thing as well. Like this is, this is big. I'm, I'm excited for our generation for the opportunity that we have to finally maybe end police brutality and really hone in on ending racism. So I know these are big things and big topics and it's not basketball, but I'm, I'm proud of the NBA again. This is great. I've, I've been nothing but proud of the NBA since the start of this. I thought that, um, you know, with what happened to Jacob Blake in Wisconsin, the Bucks taking the first stand, right, and rightfully so. And I knew everything else was going to follow. I don't think Orlando and Milwaukee communicated before because Orlando came out on the floor. They didn't really know. I'm sure if they communicated earlier, nobody would have taken the floor. And then soon after, it was Lakers-Portland. And then, uh, what was it? It was Houston. Was it Houston-OKC? Yes. Yeah, it was the other way around. So, yeah, it was Houston-OKC. Yeah, and then the Lakers-Portland game was, was going to follow. And, you know, dude, again, off the basketball topic, I'm just disgusted. How can watching that on videotape again – and I was going through my old – I got chills saying this, bro. I'm going through my old newspapers today because, you know, I'm redoing my house. And I have a lot of old – stuff that I like to keep around. And one of them was um, from the LA riots that I kept, right? And I'm sitting here as a grown ass man, right? Looking back at something that I had when I was 10 years old and we're still facing the same shit. Nothing has changed. The only thing that's changed is everything's being caught on videotape, right? And yeah. anybody that can even remotely justify what happened to this man needs to really reevaluate their life, okay? And this is the reason why all of these African-American athletes and white athletes went to the bubble to bring more awareness to this exact problem that we just saw four days ago. And I didn't think we both had said that I think it'd be better for them to use their platform when the TV, when the cameras are on, you know, I know how bad a lot of these guys want to be on the front lines. I know they do. People wanted to leave the bubble yesterday. And I get that. And I would have been fine if they did. Um, and then you and I were speaking last night and I said, I think they're going to cancel the season. But when they all collectively sat down as a group and really thought about, okay, we are the only thing people are watching right now. We can still utilize every single opportunity uh, we have to speak on this. Chris Paul registering his players to vote, um, talking to the owners because what players are upset about Drew is, a lot of the money that they make these, these very, very rich owners go into certain people's pockets and organizations that end up hurting these same players, you know? And again, I know the Clippers better than I know most organizations. I know Steve Ballmer is very progressive in this. He, he's all about helping the community and using his wealth and his platform to create jobs and to create you know, facilities and to, you know, LeBron creating schools. Not every NBA player needs to create a school, but there are certain things that these owners and players can do together to make this better. And um, it's hard for me to be so excited. Like it's selfish, Drew, of me and you to be like, yes, fucking basketball's back, right? Because yesterday I didn't care. And so many people were hitting me up, like asking, Oh, are, are they are they still going to play the games? Like, I you know, what, are the Clippers going to beat Dallas? Like, I don't fucking care, dude. This is way more important. And I think you know, even these young guys, we look at Jason Tatum and we put him on this pedestal as like idealistic and like, oh, I wish I was Jason. He's twenty fucking two, dude. Luca's mm -hmm. twenty one years old. We're seeing. I'm proud of our younger generation. Younger being the the eighteen to, to twenty seven really taking a grasp and understanding the power that they have with their voice and 
their Twitter account. I like seeing Chris Paul and LeBron James really put their heads together and come up with a plan. And I think what you were talking about in that meeting today, I don't think there's a set plan, but the dialogue is now open to how, how we're going to do this together. I don't know what the next move is going to be. I wish I could. I, wish I, could. I, I also like the fact that Michael Jordan, okay, is like the liaison now between the players and the owner. And he basically said, I don't want to take – I'm not coming in these conversations as an owner or as a, as a former player. I'm coming in this conversation as a black man, and I want to try to help both parties involved. The majority of the major owners in this league are billionaires and have funding and have funds and have power. Uh, to to actually enact change, and I, I do think I'm I'm excited to see what the actual plans are when they when they are ready to be released and discussed. And I don't know what sort of power that they they may have as far as um, you know trying to get senators or Congress people on board with this, and and maybe even create some sort of bill um, or you know you know something along those lines that they can actually pass through. Uh, but I do know that they all have the, the capabilities, the wherewithal to create things like LeBron has already done with his foundation for uh, voter suppression to reduce voter suppression and get, get more people out to vote. So anyway, I just, you know, I think, I think this is a big moment. I, I, you know, and it's weird to say big moment because moment is relative, but you know, we've had several big moments, but like, it feels, it does feel like we're on the verge of something here. And I, uh, I'm just hopeful. I'm hopeful for this country, man, that we're just, we're, this isn't the, you know, the United States of America that we all dreamed of, you know, the, the American dream and all these things there's, they're just, they're not tangible right now. You know what I'm saying? Especially for, you know, a lot of these minorities, not just black people, but you know, several, you know, minority communities are underappreciated, treated unfairly, unequally. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. I'm not educated enough to continue to talk on this topic, but I, I do support all of the moves that, that the NBA has made. Um, and I am, I know that I'm being selfish. Like you said, we're both selfish. I want to see more basketball, but I, I understand if they end up closing down this, this bubble, you know, if, if the things continue to happen like this and there's no actual change being made and these players go, you know what, it's no longer worth it. I'll respect that. And that's that's all I can say. I am happy though that we're actually supposed to get some games in the yeah, next couple of days. I don't. I I think I, they made that decision yesterday. You know, knowing that they've sacrificed a lot to make it to the bubble. You know, and now that families are allowed to come, they're going to be able to. You know, it's going to be a little more normal for them, I guess. And again, utilizing this space that they have right now in sports and just everybody watching. I think it's going to be a big, big, uh, big moment for NBA players and the country in general. Uh, and, and also what's, what's, um, what makes me happy is just to see like how great these dudes are acting, you know what I mean? And the moves that they're making for us as a country that should be commended. And in the meantime, playing a sport for our entertainment, it's just, it's just amazing. So you know, again, Clips and Drew are with whatever the players decide to do. I'm down for, for everything that they decide to do. But if we're going to continue to play basketball, then we're going to continue to talk about basketball. <laughs> so let's talk about this week, man. You know, I had, a, I had an up and down week, okay? Yeah. Um, uh, it was a rocky road. <laughs> well, you know, I told, I, told us, I told everybody on our last show that I wasn't going to be able – to physically watch the game on Sunday, and I never miss games. I'm going to record it. I had to be, I had to work, and I don't work a lot, but that day I had to work. Um, and so I planned on turning off my phone and then getting home at like four and watching the game. But being Clips 555, it just doesn't work like that. I get hit up all over talking about the game, including our group chat, which you didn't stand up for me for. I'm a little upset. You didn't tell John. That I you didn't tell douchebag John that I was at work and to not not talk about it. So hey, you got a phone. You you can you can text. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you had your phone on. You should have said just, "Hey, I'm at work." I, how am I supposed? To you, know knew you, you knew it. You knew it. You knew it. I blame you. So uh, John should know that too. Why aren't you mad at John? John should know that. Either way, I came home, watched the game. I already knew kind of the outcome. I I, I knew Luca probably did something amazing. I watched the, the full game, still not talking to any of us or replying to any text messages. The, the crazy thing was, Drew, was out of nowhere, I got so much hate 
like DMs on the Clips and Drew page and on the Clips page. People that don't aren't even active on our page that like anything that we do, you know, they're just trolls. And I was getting DMs of videos of people like flipping me off saying, fucking Clippers suck, Luca's the God, blah, 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 blah. Like so many, I'm gonna say probably 20 to 25 random people who just, for whatever reason, hate the fact that I love the Clippers this much or know how upset I'm gonna be at this game, right? Now, about the game, okay? First, you know, I love Luca. We've discussed Luca. Luca is going to be possibly the goat at one point in in his in his basketball career. You know, I was more upset about the energy in the game. I was more upset that that Paul George had yet another bad game. Right? Like you can excuse one bad game from a great player. You can excuse two get bad games from a player. And by the time you get to three, it gets to like okay, you're not being aggressive. You're not even utilizing the fact that you're six nine and can get to the free throw line 15 times. That's all you're going to need. It just wasn't there for Paul George. Meanwhile, Kawhi Leonard is playing his ass off. Lou Williams is playing his ass off, right? And that game was very, very winnable, okay? And yeah, that was a really good game. It, it was a very good game. And even, yeah. watching, even watching that final play, which was, which was so great, you know, the fact that Luka does – Seven step back threes every game and air balls four of them. That's basically what happens. Luca throws three air balls a game. You guys know that, right? We did not want Reggie Jackson on the switch. That was the whole point of, of setting up defensively was to get Kawhi on the switch, not Reggie Jackson, right? And Luca hits a huge shot and they win the game. I was very just, I was sad. I was sad the next day. Okay. It's a big moment. <laughs> It was a big moment, but I also knew that all the chatter on social media has got to fire somebody up. And then when you look at Paul George coming out and saying, like, look, I haven't been myself the past couple weeks. I'm getting depressed. I have anxiety. I miss my family. This bubble stuff is catching up to people, which we said it would. But then in game five, like, you got to – you're like, yo, Paul George is a fucking killer, okay? We have to to pause. I'm not not letting you – skate off of that of that loss okay. in game four that easily. Oh. We're not going to slide by that. Go. Uh, I know that you have obviously a, a very, you know, clipper perspective from this. As a guy, you know, that's kind of detached, um, you know, watching the series just for the, the sheer enjoyment of the, of the game, the back and forth. Like I said, this is definitely the most entertaining series that we've gotten out of the first round. Without a doubt, not just because of the chippiness, but because that there, like, there's excellent players on the basketball floor. Even though Paul George has not performed outside of Game Five the way that we would expect, what Luca did in 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 this game, Game Four, is is legendary stuff. No Porzingis, uh, for whatever reason, this guy has some soreness that he can't, you know. I don't know. I'm I, I just I, – I, I cannot understand how he's sitting out of these games. I don't understand. Like, if you have the leg soreness, that is not acceptable for you to sit out of a game. It, it needs to be some – give me a tear. Give me a say, – say the word sprain, for God's sakes. At, if you're going to sit out – Drew, imp- at least put it on the same knee that he's had problems with. This is the other knee, Right. Uh, and it's and it's and it's not even his knee. They just said leg soreness. It's not like knee soreness. It's fucking legs. I just so that's the first thing. As soon as that was announced, I was like, "Oh, Clippers got it. Like this is a wrap. There's no way." Luca injured his ankle. We know that he came back and did whatever. But like putting up this stat line: forty three points, seventeen rebounds, thirteen assists, two steals, and a block. <laughs> that is it's it's like that's like Elgin Baylor shit. This is like exactly it, what you I was know, it, it's this is stuff that we're taking for granted and I just I want to pause be, I, I before we move on it just we have to we have to give some love to this kid. This is like you said he's going to be the best player in the NBA. It's just a matter of when. Um he's already in the top 5. Like no Porzingis on this floor the, the Clippers should have won by 20. And I think, you know, if Paul George has a normal game, then maybe they do. But I also want to say that 
it didn't matter who was guarding Luca on that final shot. Nobody was nobody was going to touch that step back. He he launched that thing from so far, and like you said, he airballed one like the, like just right before that. He took a step back, the same on the other side of the court, same shot essentially, and like missed it by two feet. <laughs> so I don't think Kawhi was going to touch it. You know, it ended up being Reggie. I'm surprised it wasn't Paul George. You know what I mean? We we you know we know how many buzzer beaters buzzer beaters he likes to get hit on his head. Um, but I do want to say like, that was one of the most entertaining games. I had no, I didn't, there was no way that I thought the Mavericks were going to pull that off. And when Luca let that go, I honestly didn't think it was going to go in and it dropped in there. And that was, that was exciting basketball. Uh, that's top level NBA shit. That's like, that's why we watch the sport. So okay. that was awesome. Okay. I didn't mean to pass over Luca like that. You're right. Okay. It was a it, Dallas has a really good team. Trey Burke is literally playing. He's going to get a $30 million contract next season. You know what I'm saying? Like, they have shooters all over the floor. Bobby is a problem for us in the, in the 12 minutes that he plays, right? And, dude, there was, like, it was supposed to be our ball in the fourth quarter. Like, we won the tip, right? And Doc didn't even – and Dallas got the ball. Nobody even noticed that, right? Like, we should have had – I didn't notice that either. Yeah. It was a total coaching mistake, right? And, we, you know, we have a few – That's a refereeing mistake. Yeah, but you as a coach should know and as a player well, should know. Yeah. I, like yeah. LeBron like LeBron did on the Lakers the other night. I that's I I had no idea. Yes, 100%. Um Wow. I I think that we tr you know, I liked Marcus Morris on Luka in game 3. It worked really well, but again, I think we take our our foot off the pedal a little bit cuz we are so talented and we kind of think we're we're going to going to work through all this shit. Meantime, you got shooters over here that are knocking down shots. I really wanted to see game five, the adjustments. I knew that social media and the chatter were going to go in, into Paul George's ear a little bit. Landry Shamit came out and said, yo, we talked to Paul. Like, we believe him. You keep shooting. You know what I mean? Like, keep doing what you got to do. And then Doc came out with a, with a great idea to trap Luka, right? And, like, we need to trap Luka. Our defense was awesome game five, right? Every, I mean, dude. 154 to 111 the game was over in the first quarter right Luca yep Luca shot 16 percent from three like he only had 17 points if you cut the head off the snake bro you know what I mean like that's what you got to do he and had 22 points Luca did yeah oh am I wrong on that I guess I was wrong on that but PG and Kawhi are the only two players and teammates in playoff history to get 30 points in, in under 30 minutes right I just like seeing the aggressiveness Trez finally had a really big game. But did you see that one clip of Kawhi blocking Kobe and then giving it to Reggie Jackson and Reggie Jackson doing just a horrible move to the hoop? And Kawhi's like, I didn't give up the ball for you to do that shit, you know? Yeah. Like, how do you, I, how do you take that? No, that's, that's the best. Like, because you know Kawhi doesn't say that shit. Like, he doesn't talk. We know this. Like, for him to be that upset to even say that, like – <laughs> Reggie, Reggie should just give the ball back to him. Next time he catches it from Kawhi, if he thinks that he's in trouble, just throw the ball back to Kawhi. Don't lose the ball. Um, this game was 154 points. That, that that shit doesn't happen. I think it's a Clipper record. Is, is it not? Isn't, isn't it the most points you've ever scored in a playoff, in a playoff game? game? Yeah. That's, that's fucking insane, 154 points. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, roller coaster is how you started this off. That's literally the roller coaster right there. You go from an overtime loss to a team that you should definitely beat without its second best player. So Doc made the adjustment. And, and this is the thing that I had a problem with Brett Brown was, you know, kind of in similar positions when you're, when you're coming up in a, against an opponent that can't figure out a way to stop. Um, Doc is able to go to the drawing board and come up with something creative and change and adapt and try to affect uh, you know, the game and that Brad Brown just wasn't able to do that. Um, but like you said, this was a big, big bounce back game for Paul George. Um, he had 35 points in this game and it can't be understated how much that is going to mean to you guys moving forward. The fact that he was able to get the ball in the hoop. And we, we all know if you play basketball, you'll, you know, when, when you have this drought, it, all, it happens to everybody. When you have this drought and you're just missing your off, that boulder off of your back and, and being able to get out there and do what you do and, and perform at the level that you're that you're confident you can perform at is huge and you and you guys need Paul George that's the truth if Paul George continued to play the way that he did 
in those first, you know, whatever, four games, this series could have very easily gone to seven, and you could have very easily lost. They were 0-4 against us in the regular season for a reason. We frustrate Luca. When Luca's frustrated, he does not play well. You know, Pat Beverly, I don't want to say locks up Luca, but really frustrates him. Frustrate him in every single regular season game that we played against him. You know, and I think the trap frustrated him, and it forced the other players to have to create their own shot. Uh, it just, just didn't work. I really want to see what happens in the next game. If we can keep the same intensity after having, you know, three, four days off. I do think that it might have a, you know, a different atmosphere. And who knows, maybe this time has given Porzingis, you know, the ability to heal from his very sore leg. As we know, it's a very <laughs> painful thing. Um, so maybe he'll be on the floor. And we know that with him on the floor, it's, it's, it's a much more difficult task to double Luca. So having him be available is, is going to be a game changer for Dallas. Um, but now that you guys know the remedy, you, you found the best way out to beat this team. If he's not there, I expect you guys to handle business pretty easily, even if your players aren't performing at the top level. I do want to say congrats to Lou Will because that guy in, in the game four loss finally you know, was able to get some stuff rolling. That was, that was a lot of fun to see. Um, I mean, the next – most important game, at least for me, was that with the Laker, <laughs> Laker game. Um, another blowout win for the Lakers uh, over Portland. Dane played really good for not having, you know, for having dislocated his finger. Uh, but of course, the bigger news again, he injured himself in this game. He had a lateral knee sprain. You know, this series is pretty much a wrap. So obviously, whenever we're getting, you know, a 30-point lead, that's always great. And hoping that LeBron and Anthony Davis would come out ready to go. It has happened. I mean, LeBron went for 38 in the other game, and he's definitely went he, – he, I think he now knows if in these first maybe two, three quarters, if guys aren't hitting I, – I really want to see it after the first quarter. But at least he is – he's starting to realize that if guys are missing, he is deciding to put his head down, go to the basket, and, and start – you know, going to the free throw line, making more shots and scoring more points for us. So, Aiden has left the bubble. He's yeah. no longer involved. And that's going to be pretty much, you can just chalk it up to a to a, a, a one series for the Lakers after that next game. Well, two things real quick. If you bet it against the Lakers to lose on, on Kobe Day, you're crazy, okay? There's nothing better than the Lakers showing up on Kobe Day and representing. Um, I'm all about that. <laughs> The other thing is, is just Portland's been playing game seven for the past two weeks. You know, they're burnt. Dame has been working his ass off and he's burnt. And that, that's what's going to happen if you're playing that hard. I feel bad and I feel bad for Melo because I would have liked to see them go another round, but it's just not going to happen. So big ups to you guys because that shit's a wrap. That's over. What's really interesting is just, again, the roller coaster of, da- of Denver in, in Utah. That, is, that series is <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That, that series is like about as, as back and forth as you can get. Um, I do think, you know, when a series is three, one, it's very easy for the, the team that's up three, one to kind of relax a little little bit. And I think that's what happened in game five. I mean, it was still a good, really, really good game uh, back and forth. I mean, Donovan and Murray continue to just, Go back and forth, trading hey, that, bucket that, after bucket. It's so that, much. That Murray streak was crazy, though. That last like four buckets, that he like ah. that was literally crazy ah. to me. Donovan is obviously showing up, but Jamal Murray is like a superstar, man. You know, we said that after game one too, and then he kind of had a dud game two, right? I think that's I think that's going to be a rivalry, the Donovan Mitchell Jamal Murray thing. I really like. Well, they seem to be boys, though. That's the thing. So I mean, like all these guys that are around the same age have seen each other so many times over the years, whether it be in college. I mean, this is uh, Kentucky Louisville, right? So we're talking about rivals. That's a big rivalry. Donovan Mitchell went to Louisville. Murray went to Kentucky. Like it shouldn't be, you know, kind of copacetic between the two of them, but it is. And I, and I'm not going to, I can't be naive about this. I get it. If you grow up in this, in, in the game of basketball today and you make it to this level, you, you will have played against most of these guys that are your age, at least a handful of times at some point or another. And you probably become boys. You all see each other at the summer camps and the elite things that you go to. So I get it. But 
I do. I am excited that they that they aren't shy on the basketball court. I mean, what, to your point, Murray had 33 points in the second half in that game. He scored 42 points in total, had eight boards and eight assists, and they won by 10 points in that game. And they it was a must win. I mean, that you know, that's the the virtue of a of a seven game series. They they had to win. So I'm not surprised that the game went that way. Like I said, you know, Utah. It's only natural for the team that's down with their backs to the wall to have more motivation than a team that has a two-game lead. Um, so I, it is a very, very intriguing series. Uh, I do, I, there's, there's nobody who can stop Donovan Mitchell on Denver, and there's nobody who can stop Jamal Murray on Utah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, you know, it's a coin flip, I think, for, for game six. One thing that I am a little happy about, my ego is happy, is I, I did say that this would be at least a six-game series, and I'm happy to see that Denver's trying to fight their way back. I called Denver in five or six. I'm hoping that they can prove me right and, and at least win the series in seven and make it difficult for the Clippers. I still want to see Utah, though, dude. If, if it comes out the way I want, for, for whatever reason, I still want to see Utah, even though I'm seeing That's them. my point. I want, I want Denver. I want you to see Denver because I think you got problems against that lineup. Yeah, but I mean, why would they give us more problems than Utah? Well, that's I think that's that's the nice part about it. You know, from a from a Lakers perspective, I want you to have some struggles before we meet in the Western Conference Finals. And I think your either team you're going to get is pretty fucking solid. Drew, so don't jinx Utah, the situation. Denver, don't do it is not what jinx it is. the situation, bro. I feel like you're jinxing me right now. I want to win. If we play tomorrow, we don't even know if the games are playing tomorrow or they're playing Saturday. We don't have that right. out yet. I'm pretty sure it'll probably be Saturday. Um, yeah. But don't jinx me, Drew, okay? I just want to win one more game. I don't want to go – My seven- point is, is like, I, I just want to get on the record, though. I, I thought this was going to be the easier path you to said the Western sweep, Conference bro. Finals. You said sweep first round. I said sweep for you and, and Dallas. I didn't say sweet for Denver, Utah, but what I did think early on was I thought this, you know, this next matchup, Denver, Utah, whoever you got was going to be kind of easy for you. That is no longer going to be the case. If you get Utah, they're scoring the lights out. They're shooting great. They're playing good defense. If you get Denver, it's just a, it's just a crazy lineup that you're not used to seeing out there all the time. I still think you're going to handle either of them, but it is what it is. And, and moving on to the, the next Western Conference. I mean, the East is pretty much done and dusted. I mean, it, it, like we Over said, it. this was – That's like the fastest first round I've ever – I can ever recall. There's yeah. only one loss in the entire Eastern Conference first round. That's fucking boring. And that's Orlando. Um, or that's yeah. Milwaukee, right? <laughs> Orlando beating Milwaukee. Right. Um, Oklahoma finally showed up. They showed up, they, they showed up like five days late. Yeah. But they finally fucking showed up and played and won a game. Not only did they win, they were able to even the series. It is 2-2. And I am very thankful for that because, like I said, uh, I need I need whoever whoever's coming out of this, Oklahoma City or Houston, I need them to be a little bit tired and not ready to face the Lakers because both those teams are solid. In game four, it was all about Schroeder, dude. Like showed Schroeder up. scored 30 points. Mm-hmm. was just going, just getting to the rack at will. I mean, this guy is not a three-point shooter. I know he had a couple threes, but he was just driving straight to the rim and finishing. And that's always bring up is the fact that if you can get by your, your main defender uh, as the offense going against Houston's defense, there is not a rim protector. They have no semblance of somebody that's going to block your shot. So if you get past your immediate defender, you should go to the rack and dunk that shit or lay it up every single time. If someone does help, it should be a wide-open kick. Finally, Oklahoma City was able to get into their rhythm, get into their offense. And even though Steven Adams isn't necessarily dominating the way that I would like to see him do, Oklahoma City is running their system, finally moving the ball, and still no sign of Russell Westbrook for for Houston. Have you heard anything about whether or not he's going to be available? I have not heard if he's going to be able to play. In these next couple games. He's been working out and playing twos and threes. He looks like he's ready to go. Um, I'm sure these extra three days are really going to help him because they're going to need him. I mean, Chris Paul was picking his spots the other night. He was vintage Chris getting to that 15, 16-foot elbow shot that he does so well. Um, I think it's crazy – not crazy, but like having Schroeder and Chris Paul in at the same time is small. Like you're going real small. 
And Shea. And Shea. Very small. Three guards, you know, three point guards, but essentially. Um, but it was working. And I, like we said, going into the series, Chris Paul's going to have to be the leader of this team and be the guy to carry them. And we're seeing that he's able to do that. I'm, I'm intrigued with this series, dude, because I honestly don't know who can win this one. I don't. I think it comes down to yeah. I don't think Schroeder's going to have another 30-point game. Like, if it takes Dennis Schroeder to get 30 points for them to win, I don't think that's going to happen. So, right, yeah, they can't, they can't rely on him to be dropping 30 in order for them to win out, you know, win by a three. And that's, that's very true, because I mean, he's not that guy. Mm-hmm. But he does know what works now, right? Like, they're not, even with Russ being back, they're still not going to have a shot blocker down there. I don't know who's going to guard him. Here's because my, you, you have to you have to respect Chris Paul. You have to have somebody good on Chris Paul. So who knows? He can go to the rack and get 12 layups. <laughs> Here's a question, though. Like, I, I see Tyson Chandler on Houston's bench just being the biggest rah-rah guy. You know, why, why wouldn't the seven-footer get a shot on this squad going against Adams? You know, he can get you rebounds and block shots. He's a rim defender, and he's not getting any burn. Yeah. They're completely bought into the small ball thing. And it's surprisingly – it is working. But I guess if you shoot 63-pointers a game, the numbers are in your favor if you're hitting. And let's – we have to talk about Eric Gordon, too, because he's, he's showing up. You know, Eric Gordon's playing some really, really good basketball now. And you guys can all see why Eric Gordon is riddled with injuries because he plays like John Morant a little bit. Like, he is a little bully that just takes everything to the rack, goes hard, plays kind of like Russell Westbrook as well. But he's playing really good basketball right now, and they need him. They need him to be getting these buckets with Russ out. Yeah, and, and if, if, if Russ comes back and they move him to the bench, they're going to need him to continue to score the way that he is. So it, it's big for Houston to have him. I mean, his, his biggest problem in his whole career is he, every time he's getting hot, like literally every time he's starting to hit stride, he goes down with some other injury that a we sore leg. know he had. He goes down. Yeah, with who knows, leg. dude? Like he's had he's had so many versions of injuries that it's pretty crazy. I know that some have been more serious than others, but it's just it's like kind of like the Victor Oladipo thing. It's like every time it's like it's like oh, you have five twenty point games in a row. Here comes an injury. You better go ahead and mark it down <laughs> because he's not going to play for the sixth game. I do. I have to mention before we step off this kid, Lugaret's Dort. I, I know I talked about him a little bit on the last. Dort is on Harden. It is. I, I. I haven't seen a better person defend James Harden. I don't know ever. Like I. I. I always try to give like try and, and tip the cap to Clay Thompson and Iggy and some of these guys that they had these you know amazing clashes with, uh, with the Warriors in Houston over the last couple of years. This kid Dort is like he's making every single move that James Harden usually does with ease. Very difficult. The step backs aren't as easy because he's not allowing for the space. He's very strong. Dort is very strong. So when James tries to drive into him, he bounces off a little bit. It's not like – because James is very strong too. Um, and something that I did want to bring up in regards to this, we know that James lost whatever, 15, 20, 25 pounds, whatever it was before coming into the bubble. And I was nervous as to whether or not that would be able that – would, that would show up on the court. And I didn't think it had. Honestly, but when we got to this series against this particular kid, I do think James is missing that extra 10 to 15 pounds of muscle that he would normally have to just get through him and at least, you know, be able to go body to body. But when they're going head to head, Dort is winning those those matchups and James is still scoring. I'm not trying to sit here and say that he's going to be able to shut down James Harden. James Harden, best scorer in the NBA, but he's he's doing the best job of it that I've seen. I, I like that you brought Dort up because it's so funny. First of all, the name's funny. I hate saying Dort because it just sounds like you're talking about some middle-aged white guy, right? Like just Dort. And like, oh, he's a, a German middle-aged white guy. The German middle-aged white guy, right? The thing about Dort, it looks like it's – when he plays defense, it's like MC Hammer with braids, right? Doing the hammer <laughs> dance. Because, <laughs> no, it's so true, dude. Like he's doing so much. And defense is – in your footwork, dog. That's just what it is. It's getting to the spots. He's not buying into James Harden's, you know, BS, you know, swing through, get to the get to the, the free throw line. He's he's at he, you can tell that he's watching footage, bro. He's in the video room watching watching footage. But the way he moves his feet on defense is really frustrating to James and his effort. Like James isn't really used to people really trying to check him. The only issue with Dort is you can let that dude shoot from anywhere. Offensively, it's not that great, right? 
So yeah, man, it's it's really bad because Oklahoma City already has two other guys like that that can't shoot, right? They can't yes, Ferguson, Roberson. Roberson. They can't. Well, they keep finding these unbelievable defensive players that have no offensive ability. I think I think Dort has more hope than Ferguson or Roberson. Mm-hmm. I think Dort has more more hope because I saw him hit at least a couple shots. But man, something changed. He had I I don't know what it was, but he. He's starting to take like more time to shoot the ball. It, it, like when he catches it, they're, they're leaving him so wide open. Uh-huh. So he's just like collecting himself and letting it go. And when he does that, form is god awful. Really, I, he, the one three that I saw him make, the one three I saw him make was at the end of the shot clock. He had no time. He just shot it and caught it, just, and it went in. And it's like, dude, just let it go. Stop yeah, thinking so much about it, bro. Let it fly. <laughs> you, you get the you do you get the MC ha- Hammer reference though? Uh, it's money because because the, he he's the defensive going, stance yeah. the hair the defensive stance it's it's literally a per also because he, he sticks his arms straight out as well like it's Ooh. not he doesn't have like hands you know it's I think it's that was really funny <laughs> um so that wraps it up for the West the East is already in the second round. <laughs> Shocking, right? So shocking. As I mentioned earlier, the first three series went sweep, sweep, sweep. And at this point, it's Milwaukee-Orlando. Milwaukee's up 3-1. It's going to be a a five-game series there. Milwaukee's going to take care of business in the last game. True. Yeah. Toronto has already had their family, like, chilling with them for, like, a week, right? They've already been quarantined, and they're just chilling. Like, Toronto's been ready for round two, right? Totally. That's the, so that was something I was going to bring up, too, because as we advance to these next rounds, the NBA is trying very hard to uh, make sure that they can finish this season as quickly as possible. So the, the, the normal behavior would be like, oh, Boston, Toronto would wait for a couple days, um, and, and Miami and Milwaukee might wait for a couple days to let the Western Conference catch up. That shit's not popping off. Like, Boston, Toronto was supposed to play yesterday. Um, so they're starting round two already. Um, that matchup, I think, is going to be very entertaining, even right. though those first couple series in the East was not. This 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 uh, second round with, with Boston, Toronto, and then Milwaukee, Miami, these are two series that I'm going to be watching very closely. Uh, I think Boston has a really good shot against Toronto, even though most people will probably give the nod to Toronto. At, they're the defending champions, and they look really solid. I think Boston's a problem for them matchup-wise. Um, but that series is, is set to start as soon as these games resume. And then once Miami – or excuse me, once Milwaukee takes care of Orlando, we're going to jump right into Milwaukee-Miami. And that is a series that I think Milwaukee is primed for an upset. I, I, I don't know if I want to call it yet. I have some time to think about it. I need to do a little bit more research, a little bit more dissection. Uh, but I do think Miami is more than ready to take on the challenge of Giannis and the rest of the Bucks. Um, you have any thoughts as we go into the second round of the East? I just think that Giannis is on a whole nother level right now. And I think that, you know, the fact that he can be defensive player of the year, which he just won and most likely the MVP of the season, maybe the way he just bosses everybody, right? Like there is no stopping this guy unless he wants to shoot three pointers. Right. I do think Bam can give him some issues but Giannis is just Giannis. I think we're we're you and me both are just we want to see like is Bledsoe going to show up? Is Middleton going to have big games? Is Tyler Hero going to be playing like he is? Is Duncan Robinson going to be hitting his threes? It's going to be a problem, and I think that is a series that can go seven. But if it's going to go seven, I'm going with the freak, um, just because he's been there and the guy wants to win a chip. I'm just I I don't know who's going to check Jimmy. It's going to be Chris on Jimmy, right? Most likely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think Jimmy has the upper hand on that, I think. They might put Wes Matthews on him. Okay. But I, I, yeah, I don't know who would be a better defender in that scenario. I don't think Chris is that good of a defender. I know he's long. Mm-hmm. But he's not, like some, he's, he's not like the Clay Thompson of that team. You know what I mean? I, they still use Wes Matthews as the, as the kind of ancillary defender who's going to just go guard whoever the, the, the next best player is on the wing. So my guess is that they, they match up Wes Matthews, but I wouldn't be surprised if they end up with Middleton on him as well, uh, just kind of over the course of the game. And that's the, that's the thing. is it's, Giannis is going to do his thing. Most likely Jimmy's going to do his thing. It's about everybody else on the court. It, and that's, that's who's going to win this series. I mean, there's not – I mean, as much as I think Bam 
can cause problems for Giannis. I don't think Giannis is going to – he's going to score 30. He's going to do it. If he wants, if he's going to score 30, it's going to happen. It's about um, these other key players, and that's really where I think Miami has the edge. I think Miami has depth. Some bad, like They have a really good mix of youth and veterans and, and guys coming off the bench that Milwaukee doesn't have and, and also lacks confidence in. I, every time that Milwaukee's bench comes in, especially recently, DiVincenzo has been playing terribly. And um, if you bring in DiVincenzo and now Nunn is back on Miami, which is huge for them. Like he was third runner up for, for rookie of the year this year. He was playing lights out, got COVID. He finally is back too. That's another big dude to be bringing off the bench. So you're right. I think, I think your call, if, if that is going to be your final call with an upset, I think it's not, it's not uh, too far-fetched, man. I think it can happen. But there is a reason why they are the best team in the NBA, you know? So we can't really go against that as well. But if any team's ready yeah. for an upset, Miami could be that squad. I, I'm not ready to call it yet, but I am definitely leaning towards Miami in six or seven ooh, right now. Ooh. Well, we got to get a better read of – I think if we haven't heard today that the game, there will be games played tomorrow, I don't think they're playing tomorrow. I think Saturday is going to be the day to start all this. I think game – I think – Clippers game six will be on Saturday. I think the, the Eastern Conference semifinals will start on Saturday. They have, they have a couple of different options. I mean, we have three venues, so there's a chance they just give us a full slate. Like, they could bang out all these games that we're missing in a matter of a day or two. You know what I'm saying? Like, they could just go, okay, we're starting at 9 in the morning and we're going to do, you know, Clippers, Mavs, and then just bang, 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 bang. Because they have, they have the arenas and the capability to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if that's what they're going to do, but my guess, like I said, our, our, the whole point of this bubble is, is not only to be able to host the playoffs, but to get them done quickly so that we could move on to you know, the next season that's awaiting us just right around the corner. So um, I, I, I do think Saturday's probably the call. I, I still think that the players um, you know, might need some time in it. And who knows? It could be Sunday. It could be Monday. It could be you know, longer into the week. Um, but I, I think your call is pretty solid. And um, whenever it is, I'm, I'm excited for it. Same. Um, we're going to be in the studio on Saturday. Thanks for bearing with us on the Zoom on the Zoom call. If you haven't been to basketballnews.com, go go and check out the site. The site is up. Your boys are on the site. Uh, a couple uh, of really great podcasts coming out with uh, James Posey, Nick Van Exel. There's some good written pieces by uh, Eton Thomas and Kenyon Martin right now. Uh, go check out the page. Uh, mess around with it. Check the uh, the analytics side of it, comparing players. It's really, really interesting. And we're working out a couple glitches on it, but everything should be perfect by probably Monday. But go ahead and check that out. Uh, we're going to take them out with Biggie today, Drew. Sky's the limit. I was just heard it today. It just took me back to my good old days of, you know, just when, when rap was good. You know what I mean? Such a great yeah. um, Keep doing what you're doing, NBA players. Keep protesting. Keep doing what you got to do. Be a voice of the people. We're going to be back Saturday to follow through Flips and Drew. Drew, we're ghosts. Black Lives Matter. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How's everybody doing tonight? I'd like to welcome to the stage the lyrically acclaimed. I like this young man because when he came out, he came out with the phrase, he went from ashy to classy. <laughs> All right. I like that. All right. So everybody in the house, give a warm uh. round of applause for the notorious B.I.G. The notorious B.I.G. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for him, y'all. Uh. A nigga never been as broke as me. I like that. When I was young, I had two pair leads. Besides that, the pinstripes and the gray. Uh-huh. The one I wore on Mondays and Wednesdays. Uh-huh. While niggas flirt, I'm sewing tigers on my shirt and alligators. Uh-huh. You wanna see the inside? Huh? I see you later. Here come the drama. Oh, that's that nigga with the fake. Uh-huh. Wow! Why you punch me in my face? Stay in your place. Play your position. Uh-huh. Here come my intuition. Uh-huh. Go in this nigga pocket. Rob him while his friends watch it. That hoes clock it. Uh-huh. Here comes respect. His crew's your crew, or they might be next. Look at they man eye, big man, they never try. So we roll with them, uh, stole with them. I mean loyalty. Niggas bought me milks at lunch, the milks with chocolate, the cookies, run a crunch. 88, eyes cost and blue and white duck. Ask the slice. Sky is the limit, and you know that you keep on. Just keep on pressing on. Sky is the limit, and you know that you can have what you want. Be what you want. Sky is the limit, and you know that you can have what you want.